0: and forever Moments go Time runs out And then it hits you With the pain but Things are great on
1: You're listening to the Gods to Ghost Volleyball Podcast and your host, Scott Bemke. Our podcast today features a tribute to two of the all time greats of the sport that are no longer with us, who competed at the highest level on both the beach as well as indoors at the USVBA and Olympic level, as told by their peer and fellow legend, Ron Lang. During his time as a competitor, Mike O'Hara won 21 Opens on the beach, including the first five Manhattan Beach Opens from 1960 through 1964. In addition to that, he competed indoors for UCLA for their collegiate team and won two USVBA collegiate championships. He also competed at the 64 Olympics and was widely considered one of the best indoor players at that time. For all of his amazing accomplishments, both on the beach as well as indoors, Mr. O'Hara was later on inducted into the prestigious International Volleyball Hall of Fame at Holyoke in Massachusetts in 1989, as well as the California Beach Volleyball Association Hall of Fame in 1992. Now on to Mike Bright. Over his beach career, Mike Bright won 16 Opens on the beach, including the first five prestigious Manhattan Beach Open titles alongside partner Mike O'Hara. When it comes to his indoor career, Mike Bright competed on both the 1964 Olympic team that competed in Tokyo, Japan, and the 1968 team that competed in Mexico City, Mexico. Off the volleyball court, Mike Bright was an all-around waterman that was an outstanding surfer, and also an an exceptional paddleboard racer, including the fact that he won the 26-mile Catalina to Manhattan Beach paddleboard race multiple times in his youth. For his amazing accomplishments in the sport, both indoors as well as on the beach, Mr. Bright was inducted into the International Volleyball Hall of Fame in 1993, as well as the California Beach Volleyball Association Hall of Fame in Hermosa Beach in 1995. With that being said, let's listen to the amazing memories that Ron Lang has of two of the all-time greats in the sport that he competed both with and against. Okay Ron Lang, you competed against uh, Mike Bright and Mike O'Hara I believe the record book says they won the first five Manhattan Beach Open titles. You competed with them on the 64 Olympic team in uh, Tokyo, Japan, and and I'm sure in a number of other tournaments and, and uh, USVBA events and what have you. So let's hear your perspective on uh, both those players, however you want to do it, with O'Hara first and Bright second or, or, or whatever works yeah, best for you. Yeah, let's do Mike first.
0: Uh, first thing I didn't play in the first five Manhattan Beach Opens Gene and I didn't play Uh, I was in the military and I did my summer camp two weeks of summer camp and it always fell on the weekend of the Manhattan Open (laughs) so I just throw that out so people who listen to this don't think they beat Mike and Mike beat Gene and I all the time but Going back, I mean, I I first met Mike in 1956, which is 64 years ago. I met him when he got out of the service, because uh, he, he got drafted and was in for two years. So I've known him off and on, and we competed against each other probably, well I quit going to the Nationals probably when I was 55. And so we competed against against each other. to make to speak at his wake or go accept
1: the award and I chose to to go speak at his wake rather than be selfish for yourself and go to the down to LA twice I thought it
0: was more important
1: to speak for
0: Mike because he was just he was just a great athlete and you know I, i that was my choice, and uh, I had uh, about a year or two later, somebody called called me. And his name is Bill Olson, and Bill was inducted into the that group, and he came he came and called me on the phone. I hadn't talked to him in thirty years. He said, "I went to the the induction, and you weren't there. Why not?"
1: <laughs> and I said,
0: "Well, I spoke to Mike's wake, and I thought that was more important." than me getting an award, it, it just again it's just it's what how I felt about his game. Now there were certain things about Mike's game I did about Mike I didn't like. I mean he was like a basketball coach or a baseball coach mm-hmm. or, a, or, or a manager when he was playing. He complained about every single call. He was working the refs all the time. I mean, Gene and I, when we set the ball with our hands, the ball would come out with no spin. If it came out with just a little bit of spin, he was on the ref.
1: It's interesting you say that. Was I talked to, to working the ref. Von. I talked to Von Hagen. Uh, it's interesting you say that because I just talked to Von Hagen. I think it was yesterday, and he said he really realized that he could play this sport when he was playing with Lico when he was young and up and coming, and he had. Uh, Brighton O'Hara on the ropes, but um, uh, and could have won, but uh, O'Hara was working the ref, and the ref was an O'Hara groupie, so to speak, and put yeah. the calls their way, and, and you know, it affected the O'Hare match. Set, the ball always
0: came out with spin on it. So Gene and I are setting, I won't, you know, I won't say perfect, but let's say we're setting perfect. On a scale of 1 to 10, we're 9 and 10 all the time, and he's 5 and all the time. But he never, I mean, he didn't expect ever to be called but that's, you know, every manager does it, every coach does it, in all the leagues, in college, they all do it. So, you know, that's that's just the way it is. Now, there's a couple stories about Mike,
1: and, and I will tell the stories before I get into his game. Okay. So, the first indoor tournament I played
0: in was in 1957, the six-man indoor tournament, and it was at Long Beach... YMCA and he got there about 8 o'clock in the morning to check in and you probably left at 12 or 1 in the morning. So huh. I used you know I'm uh, 57 I'm 20. So I warmed up I was in every hitting line all day long. <laughs> As, you know you play you play and then you rest for two hours. So I was in all, uh, we got to the finals and I didn't warm up. So Mike walks up to me, kind of slyly, and he says, ha, I'm glad to see you're not warming up. I mean, he's
1: throwing a, a kind needle at me. Yeah. So I always thought that was clever. So
0: then at the Nationals one year, we were in the, I don't know, 50s, maybe 55s and we're getting ready to play a match and we're gonna play against Mike and his team. Now, like I said, you know, we've been playing against one another for 30 years. He's at the net and I'm at the net and he looks at, he he bends down because he's 6'5". He bends down and he says to me, well,
1: Ron, here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) You know?
0: Uh, that, to me, was, you know, I mean, apparently he had respect for my game and I had respect for his game. And, but that, that was a funny story. And then the, the last story is that we were both being interviewed at the, Hollywood, at the Hermosa
1: Beach Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah. And we were sitting in, in front of a camera... And somebody was asking questions, and the question to, to Mike was, what is your favorite beach to play on, and what's your least favorite beach? He said, well, my favorite beach would be Manhattan. Your, your least favorite? He said, well, my least favorite would be Laguna Beach, because it's hard to jump out of, because the sand is really tough to get out of in, 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 at uh, Laguna Beach. So the guy turns to me and says, what's your favorite beach? I said, well, I was gonna say Sereno Beach, but now since Mike doesn't like Laguna, I'm gonna say Laguna's my favorite beach. <laughs> and I told that story at the wake, and I got a lot of laughs for that. Yeah. But that's, that's just the relationship. Oh, one other story, I, sh- I walked walking down the beach when I was in, in Manhattan, and Mike says, come here. So I walk over, he says, my son wants to meet you. You're his idol.
1: Was no, this Ryan, Ryan you're that speaking Ryan. of? Okay.
0: Yeah, that was... That was he wanted,
1: Ryan wanted to meet me. How neat. That's got to make you feel pretty good when a legend's yeah, son mean, considers you uh, their idol. <laughs> yeah. So, that's good um, stuff. Now, you played in uh, a tournament or two with him early on in your career, did you not? And you won yes, with O'Hara. I, and, yes.
0: Uh, In 1956, my first year on the beach, when Mike got back from the service, I was playing in a mixed tournament with his wife. And, you know, he, he followed us all around, and so I needed a partner for Mission Beach. It was either Mission Beach or San Diego. So I asked Mike if he'd play with me. And he said, sure, because his partner, Don McMahon, uh didn't want to go down there and play so we go down there and we win the tournament and we beat Bernie and Gene which was the the top, premier top the team on the team. beach sure at that time and I, I learned a lot of stuff from Mike uh, one thing I I learned is to be calm yeah, i give you an example about you know guys jumping around and all that stuff yeah so we're playing a guy I don't know remember who his partner was but if I uh, I remember like it yesterday his name is Bob Gatowski. he was an Olympic pole vaulter pole
1: vaulter okay
0: and he was a left side player and I'm a right side player and he got hit a ball right on top of the net he got on the ball and hit it cross court about 8 feet from the net you know, on the angle, and I ran over in front of Mike. I was probably four or five feet in front of Mike, and got my hand on it. And I was all pissed off that I hadn't dug the ball. And Mike pulled me over and he said, "Hey, just calm down. You know, it's just one more play."
1: So I learned that from him: be calm under all circumstances. Okay. And it, that kind of advice
0: clicked when clicked with me right away. So in the finals, we're playing Bernie and Gene. And he says, come here. He says, look, I'm gonna serve Bernie a real easy He will step in and he will set Gene off the pass. You go up off Gene's right shoulder and just jump up. Now I don't know anything about strategy in the beach at this point, because I'm 19. It's my first year on the beach. <laughs> I did exactly what Mike said. Gene.
1: Wow, that's pretty neat. He I would... learned. I I learned at that
0: point, and I used it f- throughout my career that you can outthink your opponent. And you know, uh, those two
1: were valuable lessons that you learned from O'Hara.
0: I learned from O'Hara, and it uh, paid great
1: dividends for me. Yeah, I know you said later on in your career you became, you were a very, you know, that was one of the things that you were well respected for from your peers as as far as being a strategist on the court. you um, Yeah, yeah. and then in uh,
0: 58 I played with him and again in San Diego and we again beat Bernie and Gene. So my first two years on the beach playing with Mike were the only two beach tournaments. Uh, uh, beach men's tournaments that I won Uh, I tried to get Mike to play with me but a guy by the name of Don McMahon who was also a very good player they had won uh, the state beach tournament uh, and they beat Gene and he felt Don had sat out two years waiting for Mike to get out of the service so I couldn't get him to play
1: with me I uh, d- wasn't. Didn't Don and uh, and Gene played together back in the day too? Up at uh, for a while early yeah, on. They did. They and then they. Together. I heard McMahon could be somewhat of a, a tougher guy to get along with, and they went their separate ways then. Yeah, that's
0: probably true. I, I did. I played indoors with Don uh, on Gene's '58 indoor team. He was a, he was a good beach player. I didn't care for him uh, primarily because. He was playing at Sereno with Mike
1: one day, and he hit a cut shot. And I said, hey, that's really a neat shot. Would you show me how to do that? He said, no. I said, okay. Hey, well, your cut shot's considered one of the best, if not the best ever, so maybe it's best he didn't because you figured it out on your own. (laughs) Well,
0: you know, so, uh, you know, Mike's game you know, I'm going to say a few things that are going to make, make it sound like I don't think he was a great player. But Mike's strengths overcame his weaknesses. Now, he wasn't really a good passer. He wasn't really a good setter. He was he an was average defensive player. But his strengths were his hitting, his intensity, his smartness. I mean, his intensity was equal to Von Hagen's.
1: That's he could grind
0: as, as long as anybody. And, and Gene and I played Mike and Mike all along. And I would never have played, Gene was a team captain. We served Mike O'Hara, who you'd have to kill for him to quit. And Mike Bright was a better, was a great setter. So what did we do, the guy who hit better and let the guy who set better play.
1: So for us to win a game or win a match against them, we had to play perfect ball. And O'Hara was teeing we, off know. on these great sets from Bright, and uh, that was not the way to do it. and,
0: and uh, we're, we're digging him occasionally, just like I've told you before. You can know where a guys going to hit it, but you can't always get it. I mean, just because you're you're standing there, well, you, you know,
1: it's like that you, pitching it's analogy. Hard
0: you oh, gave. hard to dig. Yeah. Oh, another thing I learned from Mike, I was playing him in a mixed tournament, and I had him down eleven-one to a game to fifteen, and
1: he beat me. Was he playing with Edie Conrad? Uh, yes, he was that time. I heard uh, they played a lot together, and um, they were a pretty—they were, were a great team. They
0: were. So the very next year, I'm playing against him, and he's got me eleven to one. I thought myself. I thought. Yeah, I thought myself. I hang in there. I. It's now. I now know it's possible to come back from eleven-one, and I ended up beating him. So uh but when you speak of intensity Ronnie and I
1: played gene fluger and O'Hara at Manhattan beach that was in 67 right when he uh he was yeah I think that was in 67 when he he was hurt yeah this is a great story let's hear it not quit, you whereas know, other people who, I mean, he probably, if you keep doing that, at some point you become dehydrated and go into cramps and everything else, but he wouldn't let that stop him from playing, he was going to fight on. No, he, he, he kept playing
0: on, and, and, uh, I don't remember who we served in that match, it didn't much matter, neither one of those guys were really good setters.
1: You know what, I think I heard then, about uh, this, or read something about it, that, uh, is the is the match or the tournament went on um, started to try to take a little bit more of the court from O'Hara um, because he was you know really hurting later in the tournament um, and then uh, they ended up getting a fourth and I think I read a story that uh, later on in life when when uh, uh, Brian O'Hara met Gene Fluger, he said to him, nice to meet you, uh, but aren't you the guy that almost killed my dad in the 67 Manhattan Open? Because <laughs> he just, he, uh, you know, and O'Hara just will not quit. And I think Pfluger won the MVP of that 67 Manhattan, even though you and Ronnie Von Hagen they won didn't it. They our, our most outstanding player or something, I heard, because he had to step they up and have a, They
0: didn't have an award like that.
1: Okay, well I guess I stand corrected and, and I, maybe I dreamt that. <laughs> but yeah, that's but, pretty neat. But, but uh,
0: the one thing about Mike that always amazed me is that I never saw him at the beach practicing. Maybe once or twice. I mean, he, he just was uh, a guy who, who played volleyball, went to work, Worked an eight-hour shift or whatever he was doing, but I never saw him practice, and I often wonder how much better he could have been if if he hadn't had a full-time job like the new, these guys do, and he had a chance to practice because he didn't practice a lot. I know they played indoors twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays at Hollywood YMCA. For six man but I don't I don't remember him ever very few times I remember him on the beach playing
1: so in a sense he was kind yeah, of like lo- Ronnie
0: and I who were on the beach all the time
1: right yeah, well that's kind of so,
0: I mean he's he's one of the few players that I think um, both Mike and Mike are one of the few teams that I think that could have played
1: Yeah, I heard their hitting range is really impressive. I think i read somewhere uh, a story about um ryan o'hara you know playing pepper with his dad and how he set goals and like you know they would do it where they could go you know 50 times consecutively without the ball you know um hitting the floor and then up to a hundred and then like maybe up to a thousand or something like that what a neat accomplishment it was or something to that effect that might not be exactly right but in that ballpark so that's neat
0: well, Ryan told a story, and I don't remember exactly, but the general gist was that he signed a contract with his dad, and his dad gave him like $50, and they formed a business, and the business was to buy baseball cards, either you know baseball cards or football cards, buy them, sell them, you know what I mean? You
1: know what the cards are, right? I sure do. I have uh, a bunch of football ones still to my name. I wasn't as big into the baseball stuff. So I mean, so he started a business, and he, the
0: kid was twelve or thirteen or something like that. I mean, that's taking a real interest in your in your child. So and fun. Von Hagen had two teams that he, when he started playing, that he wanted to emulate. And Mike and Mike were
1: one of them, and Gene and I were the other. Yeah, uh, he's Von such Hagen. Von Hagen told me the other day that you guys were the standard that he uh, looked up to and that he that he achieved. was that was his goal to achieve uh, sometime in life So, yeah that's uh, that's pretty neat it's uh, and, and which he did also Mike did uh,
0: when my wife was getting a divorce or was separated Mike got her a job at uh, the the indoor
1: thing, the pro indoor thing. The that, IBA that he started,
0: yeah. As a secretary,
1: that was nice.
0: Yeah,
1: he and Chuck Nelson did that. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, he was real generous to her too. Yeah, the the infamous Chuck Nelson uh, from uh, the Olympic team that uh, replaced Al on the team. Yeah, I remember that? Yeah.
0: So that was, that's my story about Mike O'Hara. Now Mike Bright was really a terrific player. When you hooked him up with somebody who could pass and set, like Mike could, he was a strong hitter. Oh, he, he was a strong hitter. He could pass well, he could set well. Um. Somebody that you interviewed said he was. They thought he was the best digger that they'd ever seen. I I just think he was an adequate digger. Right. But but uh, he could cover the court well. The one thing about Mike is that he told me he didn't like to hit O'Hara sets.
1: Another reason yeah. you and Gene so, should have been uh, serving them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. You also probably had to have a helmet on when those guys were teeing off. (laughs) My gosh, talk about the who's who of big bangers. Yeah, for those who don't know the the story, um, you would know better than than others. uh, You know, what happened um, and, um, you know, what did it do to him? He told me that
0: he'd made that dive hundreds of times.
1: So he was free diving out out in the Pacific, basically, correct?
0: Yeah, but he was a dive instructor.
1: Okay. all the days not to wear it. And so
0: he got down there and was, I don't know, digging around for lobster or whatever he does, whatever you do down there. And he got to where he was running out of air. And he, he once he came to the surface and the guy that was on the boat did not have a tank ready for him to go back down. Familiarity leads contempt. Mm-hmm. And uh, he paid
1: the price for it. Yeah, that is. And the, it was a shame. Well, yeah, it ultimately no. left him with um, with some severe uh, health issues, and what was it, partial paralysis, and you know, I don't know. Oh, yeah, Right, a walker, or? walker, yeah. Oh, yeah. Walker's the word I'm looking for. He uh, got to a point where he could motivate with a walker, but you know,
0: not real well. It it, it was uh, it was just a sad thing. And, and then, uh, sad, to add to the sad story, you know, he went would go down to Mexico all the time i guess he had a place down there
1: mm-hmm. and he was was tired so they put
0: him on the side of the road and some mexicans came and pulled him out of the car out of his pickup left him on the side of the road and stole his truck
1: they didn't have no mercy for a guy who's handicapped and just None. tossed him on the side of the road like a piece of trash that's That's right I think I had heard something about that but I didn't know the specifics of it but what a horrible thing to have happen to you
0: yeah and I tried to get Mike to play in a tournament with me after I wasn't playing with Von Hagen anymore yeah he told me no and I thought
1: Was quite the. Uh, I mean, there's always those. I think when the they had an Olympic uh, event over in Australia, and he was such a strong paddleboarder, also as far as being a waterman, they had it as a exhibition sport, and he went over there, yeah. uh, and competed in it. And um, it wasn't for a medal, it was an exhibition sport, but he competed against all these great paddleboarders from all over the world and like had like a top 20 finish or maybe even better than that. That's like really remarkable. And then well, he, I... I he, he,
0: they, they had a um, paddleboard race that
1: ended at Manhattan Beach. Oh, is that like one of those Catalina, Catalina type things? Okay. From Catalina to Manhattan
0: Beach. And he, he raced in that several times.
1: Yeah, and he won too, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. And then I, I don't think. don't know how many he won. And then that one day he showed he made it there. You know, sometime in late in the late morning, uh, from Catalina. I don't know how many miles that is. It's what is it, twenty or something like that? Twenty-six. Okay, it's like a marathon. Twenty-six. So he paddles all the that whole way arrives, r- pulls up right on Manhattan Beach with a paddleboard and then played in the six-man that day and won it too, I think, something like that. It was just the Manhattan six-man. It was just something that was surreal, like must be rough being uh, that talented at two sports.
0: <laughs> well, he was definitely he was he was probably the only guy that was really in shape in the 64 Olympic team.
1: Oh, and you guys had like little to no preparation for that whole thing. Yeah, that was yeah. a pardon my French, a whole shit show with Harry Wilson there.
0: So, but yeah, I mean, I don't have many. I don't have any stories about Mike other than to say that uh, he he could do it all, and he was a good competitor. I would give him a a, a check mark for telling his competitors he couldn't beat him if you had to go three three games and telling that his competitors that you uh, were the best on the beach. I mean, I don't think Arnold Palmer or Jack Nicklaus ever told one another
1: that they were the best ever and then go out and compete against them. Right, right.
0: You know, I mean, but and then if that's the way he felt. That's okay. It, it's not... To say anything bad about him, I, wouldn't, I just wouldn't have done it. And, uh, you
1: know, he was a good competitor. He was a good guy. Yeah, he. I always he, noticed in the photo he, he, you know, doesn't, he oftentimes kind stares down towards the ground. He seemed to be a pretty modest or maybe a sheepish or maybe uncomfortable in the spotlight type thing. Uh, and by all accounts, I've always heard he was a really nice kind of laid back down to earth uh, guy and that he was I'll tell
0: you I'll tell you a funny story we were I'll tell you two stories okay so we were at a gym uh, getting ready to practice and there was a basketball there and uh, so we I Mike and I had a game now I I I played freshman basketball at SC now I wasn't that good but I made the team I made third string and quit after about two games into the season because I wasn't going to get to play. I wasn't that good. But I made the team. So I played against Mike Bright and I couldn't get a shot off. (laughs) I mean, he just crushed me. Oh, wow. So then Bright plays Keith Erickson. Bright couldn't get a shot off. Tells you there's always a
1: someone with a bigger bat or a bigger gun. Yeah, yeah, there was always that uh that uh, hierarchy, if you will. I think uh, Ru- yeah. uh Wilt uh, did something like that with uh Rundle against uh um uh no, that against, was Keith. against Keith. Erickson. That was Keith. Yeah, yeah, Keith and and then Rundle tried to play against him and he and he uh he he just shut him down a and yeah, that was a great story. Rundle just laughs about it. <laughs> but that was that's why Keith was the press man. Was there a reason for... (laughs) <laughs> so if rudy wanted to battle that was the end of that to Braille, he was gonna have to go through bright You know, if I can chime in on this, this reminds me of when I uh, was lucky enough to interview Dave Boardwell, hopefully he's resting in peace. He told me that uh, you wouldn't be I would have been shocked at how strong of a athlete bright was. He said sometimes in practice when they'd be playing indoors. Um, they'd all try to pile on him and wrestle him, and he would like fight them all off. And, and like even big guys like Jack Backer and stuff like that, and they couldn't hold him down. He said you'd be shocked. He was. Uh, be Jack Jensen. It wouldn't be Jack. Yeah, Backer, Jack Jensen. Jack I apologize. Thanks for correcting me. Yeah, he said uh, you couldn't hold the guy down. He was just so strong, and he he threw us
0: off. Well, I never saw any of that fault at all. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, if you go to Paddle Twenty Six miles
1: you got to have a upper body strength yeah i um you know board well i don't know how accurate some of stuff is because i i can't fact check it he uh, also told me um there was a time when they played uh they were playing indoors someplace in canada i i don't recall where it was and they went to the bathroom and there's a bunch of other sports
0: yeah i
1: and they got in a fight with some hockey players in there that tried to skip them at the urinals, and the hockey players found out real quick that Boardwell was a tough boxer, and, and Bright was too. And they, they walked out of there, and the hockey players walked out uh, with their heads down. That's all right. I recall. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know if
0: that's true or not, but it, um, Mike was a, Mike was a really good guy and he was a great volleyball player both beach and indoors and uh it's a shame that he died so soon but um i guess you pay for
1: your mistakes yeah unfortunately now um i wanted to ask you those guys were both could had great hitting ability and phenomenal range like you mentioned so does von hagen that they could hit with anybody of any era um when you were playing uh, with them both indoors um, indoor on the beach, which guy was the better or harder hitter, or which one had uh, the better range ultimately, and what separated oh, yeah. What about compared to Bill Olson?
0: Uh, I don't think there's a player that I've seen. He would be absolutely unstoppable in today's game
1: indoors. Now, for those who don't know, Bill Olson played indoors in the fifties, so he's not necessarily uh, someone that people know he about a lot. In the sixties, also,
0: he was on our sixty-four. Olympi- on our 64
1: Okay. Yeah, Dave Boardwell told totally. me... He
0: to put on exhibitions to raise money for the Nationals. So, we put on an exhibition at Westside Jewish Community Center. And... It, you know, it was just... The ceiling was the height of a high school gymnasium. He hit a ball over my head that landed about three feet behind me maybe five feet behind me that bounced up and hit the ceiling and then it went halfway up on the second bounce. <laughs> That's there, there was, and he hit from the right side he hit tremendous angles. I mean, he was 6'5". And had, I guess he played baseball.
1: That's what Skates told me. He was. Uh, he played baseball. He was, and he had those really long arms that just, just looked like yep, a whip. He was a pitcher. Yep. And uh, he was the hardest center I ever saw. And, and in today's game,
0: with him in the center, hitting the two or a one. <laughs> but he had, he couldn't do anything else.
1: One trick, Tony. Yeah, he wasn't real agile.
0: He was a terrible passer. He couldn't set. I mean, he was not a good setter. He had an adequate serve. But uh, under the Hollywood YMCA system, he was perfect.
1: Now you think... He's a big blocker. Um. Now you think he hit harder than Ernie Sawara indoors, or were they pretty uh, pretty yeah. close? Uh, it's hard to say who's hit harder, but
0: he was comparable. Ernie was comparable to him. I'll put it that way.
1: I remember when I asked Skates about that, he said uh, Bill Olson was the hard, best and hardest hitter he had ever seen, and then uh, Boogie Enkov from uh, the, Russia. The Olympian, who uh, had the longer hair and wasn't the tallest guy, but he just could pound balls. And then he said uh, Ernie um, was the hardest. Uh, So those three guys. So uh, that's a pretty good uh, trifecta right there. Yeah, he, he, he just crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. But you dug him every time when you were down that line, right? (laughs) <laughs> he was one of the guys that you would have had to put your knees in the sand or get down low on to absorb the impact basically
0: well on the sand would have been yeah I would probably serve him on the sand because he couldn't pass right so sure you know, you be a great hitter but if you can't pass the ball you know eventually you're
1: gonna give up enough points to lose right So that's some really good information on two of your biggest competitors. And like Von Hagen says, uh, part of the standard that he aspired to be like someday in his uh, volleyball career. Well, we talk about them all the time, and we're both in agreement
0: that you had to play almost perfect volleyball. Uh, You know, I I put them a a, a notch below... um,
1: Rundle and Bergman? How, uh, and
0: uh, another thing about Michael Hera, yeah, he was first, second, or third ninety-one percent of the time. So you always had to deal with him.
1: He was uh, had that one of those uh, top three per- winning percentages, like you and Gene. He was in the top three. Yeah, it's pretty pretty impressive to do.
0: No, this, just my opinion.
1: Uh, those are great points that you made, and, and who better to talk about uh, legends and uh, peers than you know the guys who played against them? So, like you always say, they're not I'm here. The last guy standing. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not here to tell their story. So it's I appreciate you uh, being willing to take some time today to proactively reach out to me to to do this in honor of. Of those guys, just like um, when you for, for went uh, going to your own induction um, for the Southern California uh, Hall of Fame, you uh, instead chose to make the decision to go to Mike O'Hara's uh, funeral uh, and um, pay your respects to him. So this is uh, just another a class act for you to do for a, um, a couple of guys that really did a lot for the sport, winning the first five Manhattans. Yeah, I know you weren't there, and I think Gene played in a couple of them with, like, maybe, who did he play with? Like, Mike Heiger, I think he played in one in. and. He played with Mike Higer, he played with Boba Fang, he might have even played with Bernie. Yeah, I, I, at one point I had it memorized, but... Um well, Rundle said to me one time,
0: how did you let Mike and Mike win five straight tournaments <laughs> in Manhattan Beach? And I said we didn't let him win. I didn't play. He said, "Why not?" I said, "Cause I had to do my two weeks summer camp, and just just happened to be at the same time. Not that we have beaten them, but right. they didn't have to go through us."
1: So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, this is good stuff, eight oh. I appreciate it. Okay. So uh, you have yourself. Pleasant weekend. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye. Next. This concludes our tribute to Mike O'Hara and Mike Bright, two of the all-time greats of the sport, both indoors as well as on the beach. I want to thank Ron Adolang for taking the initiative in reaching out to me as he felt it was imperative since neither Mike Bright or Mike O'Hara are no longer with us to make sure that they're remembered for all their contributions and accomplishments in this amazing sport for the rest of history. Thanks so much for listening. Appreciate it.